Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, December 11th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, the nation's historically black colleges and universities serve a unique cultural role, as well as a practical one, providing an education for African-American students from all income backgrounds. Missouri's two HBCUs are facing tough financial times. We just have enough professors. We just have enough financial aid counselors. Every operating budget is bare bones, meaning there is no fat. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson examines the state of Missouri's HBCUs. That's up in a few minutes. First, these headlines. Advocates for a man who may have been wrongly convicted of murder in 1995 are asking Attorney General Eric Schmidt to allow a new trial. As St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports, Lamar Johnson's supporters have delivered a petition to Schmidt's office. Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner and Johnson's defense attorneys both agree that his case was full of police and prosecutorial misconduct. Gardner asked a judge for a new trial in July. That judge rejected her request and asked Schmidt's office to represent the state. Gardner appealed. Oral arguments are Wednesday. Mary Beth Onyuku organized the online petition for the advocacy group Color of Change. Attorney General Smith's crusade to keep Lamar Johnson from getting a new trial is proof that the establishment will go to any length to defend this failed approach. In court documents, the attorney general's office does not take a position on Johnson's innocence, but says Gardner filed her request well beyond legal deadlines. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis County Council is allowing bow hunters to have controlled deer hunts in county parks. Council members have voted to authorize bow hunts that the Department of Conservation organizes in closed county parks. Supporters say it will reduce deer overpopulation that has been causing problems for homeowners. Resident Leanne Fritch, though, says the bill promotes inhumane practices. The deer this bill would allow killing are not populations. They are individuals who have only one life given to them. From their behavior, it's clear that each of them wants to go on living just as much as we do. Yet this bill would treat their lives as if they did not matter, making some pay with their lives for purposes that are ours alone. The measure now goes to St. Louis County Executive Sam Page's desk. Eden Theological Seminary in Webster Groves will have a new president next summer. As St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports, the seminary's board of trustees has appointed the first female president in the school's nearly 170-year history. After a six-month national search, Eden Theological Seminary has selected one of its own to become the school's next president, Deborah Krauss. A professor of the New Testament and ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church, Krauss has been a faculty member at Eden since 1992. She's also a vocal social justice advocate who helps lead the seminary community and other local clergy in protests following Michael Brown's death. The gospel is not merely a spoken message or a proclamation or or something we tell people. It's something we do. Krauss says she hopes to continue building Eden's network of progressive Christians and community partners. In July, she'll succeed current Eden president David Greenhaw, who's retiring after more than two decades in the role. I'm Shayla Farzan, St. Louis Public Radio. 
It's a new era for football at the University of Missouri. I don't feel f fear failure, I attack success. That is Mizzou football coach Eli Drinkwater during an introductory news conference yesterday in Columbia. The Post-Dispatch reports Drinkwater has a six-year, $24 million contract. Missouri is home to two historically black colleges and universities, or HBCUs, Harristow State University in St. Louis and Lincoln University in Jefferson City. Both are public institutions and receive funding from the state. They serve mainly low-income students, and both are struggling financially. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports on those challenges as part of a statewide series on higher education in Missouri. Missouri's HBCUs, Lincoln and Harris-Stowe, operate on tight budgets. Everything here is razor thin. That's Harris-Stowe's chief financial officer, Brian Huggins. We just have enough professors. We just have enough financial aid counselors. Every operating budget is bare bones, meaning there is no fat. Harris-Stowe is one of 13 four-year public universities in the state of Missouri and receives the least amount of state appropriations among the schools. About 1,400 undergraduate students enrolled in Harris-Stowe during the fall of 2017, and of those students, more than 80 percent received money from the federal Pell Grant program. According to data from Missouri's Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development, for fiscal year 2019, Harris-Stowe is the lowest-cost institution in the state, with in-state tuition and fees at roughly $6,000 a year for a full-time student. Its operating budget is about $20 million. Harris-Stowe and Lincoln's tuition accounts for less than 20 percent of their total revenue. Most other schools in the state generate around twice that from tuition. The students who need the most receive the less, and the students who don't need the most get the most. That's Andre Smith, the social sciences department chair at Harris-Stowe. He is the co-author of an article about Harris-Stowe's funding for the upcoming issue of the Journal of Negro Education. Smith poses this argument. The state's performance-based funding model for higher education does not work for universities in a financial bind like Harris-Stowe. It looks at things like graduation rate. It looks at postgraduate employment levels. So if one of the universities in the university system, if they don't meet their performance-based goals, uh, then they can lose funding. For both HBCUs, meeting their yearly goals can be challenging, especially since the colleges already lack competitive programs and adequate infrastructure. Here's Huggins again. This building was built in the 1920s as a high school, and we've been operating a university out of it. So there are uh, sacrifices that are, are made or choices that are made that do not make it uh, a 21st century education. Lincoln has challenges similar to Harris-Stowe, but there's a difference in how it's funded. For the 2019 fiscal year, Lincoln had about 2,500 students enrolled. Undergraduate students pay about $7,600 in tuition, and the institution operates with a budget of nearly $40 million. And Lincoln is a land-grant university, the only one in Missouri. We've been struggling with the, the state to provide equal matching funds for Lincoln University, and we've made progress, but we've not been entirely successful. That's Sandra Cutting. She's Lincoln University's Vice President of Administration and Finance. 
In order for Lincoln to receive all of its land-grant funds, the state must match the USDA's $7 million contribution, which varies from year to year. This year, Missouri matched only about half of the federal money. Zora Mulligan, Missouri's Commissioner of Higher Education, says the state is constantly looking into ways to increase funding to keep the only two HBCUs in Missouri alive. The schools received grant funding from the state this year to expand their workforces and add additional specialized programs. But Lincoln is still a step behind other public schools in the state. Cutting says Lincoln Science Labs haven't been updated in over 10 years, and Harris-Stowe has similar issues. Here's Harris-Stowe Smith again. We're restricted in our program offerings, but at the same time, this school produces more African-American bachelorette degrees in, in mathematics than any of the other uh, universities in the system. But at the same time, uh, Harris-Stowe doesn't have a, a computer science program. And Harris-Stowe doesn't have much of an endowment to tap into to provide such a program. Lincoln is in a similar position. Here are both schools' financial officers again. We've been around since 1857. But our endowment has only been around since the early 2000s. And no, we are nowhere near where we want to be or where we should be. I don't know what the answer is on how to jump that hurdle, uh, but I think part of what we're trying to do is really get out there and tell our story. But your story can only go so far. Cutting says part of that story is the role HBCUs play for low-income students. Providing an opportunity for students to gain in their socioeconomic status, to have greater opportunities down the road. It's so important for the state, for the nation, for everyone to have that opportunity. And what worries me is if HBCUs are not successful, what happens to that population? For now, Cutting and Huggins say they'll continue to fight for Missouri's two HBCUs to survive and even thrive. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Holly Edgel edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.